What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Secure your tinfoil hats, buckle down tight, and hold on loosely as we soar over the rocky tops of the La Platas on a rocky mountain high, get sucked into the vortex of the Four Corners, and settle down snugly in mile marker 420 in colorful Colorado. It is Sunday, April 18th, Monday, April 19th, for those of you across the pond and beyond. Welcome to We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. I'm so glad you guys could join us this lazy, relaxing Sunday evening. 
I'm your host, Tessa TNT, and I hope you guys had an awesome weekend so far and that you've really been enjoying yourself and, uh, man, taking it easy. Life is pretty hectic these days. If you're listening live, you're listening right now on Spreaker.com. You can also find us on KPNL-DB.com, KPNL Radio. We are simulcast on there every Saturday and Sunday evening. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Tumblr, YouTube, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Deezer, as well as Podcast Addict. So tonight I have a treat for all my guys and gals out there. Tonight we will be talking to and getting to know author Mark Fiorentino. Um, He has been obsessed with Einstein's unified field theory ever since hearing about it when he was 10. And he worked for many years in the high-tech industry, including for IBM. Um, are you still working at IBM, or what are you doing now these days, Mark? Oh, no. That that ended many years ago when that entire plant that I worked at closed. I, I took a buyout deal about six months before my plant closed, and I moved back to Florida. And worked there for a few years. Many years, actually, and then eventually retired. Very nice. So what uh, what part of Florida are you living in? I live in Winter Haven, Florida. It's near hmm. Cypress Gardens. You hmm. know where that is. I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, it's between Orlando and Tampa. Oh, okay. Yeah, I lived in Miami for, for a little bit. Um, that was interesting. It's very pretty. Yeah, very I lived nice. there, too. Yeah, I lived in North Miami. Very nice. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, I love Einstein and Tesla. And I mean, these guys, all these theories and all the information that they have is just mind boggling, like definitely beyond their time as far as what they did know. And, and we're realizing things today as far as Einstein was right about folding space and time travel, so on and so forth. Um very intriguing. And you said you found him when you were 10? That's when you came yeah. upon him? Yeah. Yeah. The the um, the nuns at my catechism class uh, asked us to find a saint born on our birthday and report on him. And uh, when I went home in 1965, there was no internet. Uh, it was difficult to get to the library or anything. So all I could do was just ask my parents if there was a saint born on my birthday. And they didn't know of any, and then I went to the calendar. I still remember looking at the calendar and seeing Einstein's name on my birth date. So I looked him up, and that's how I got into the to learning about Albert Einstein and eventually the unified field theory. And so I, he's my hero, def, definitely. He's the guy that I always looked up to and listened to and I read about and a very wise man, not just a genius, but a very wise man as well. And uh, I was enthralled by him. I just, uh, especially when I read the unified field theory, I thought this was the best idea I've ever heard. It just makes so much sense. And then from that point on, every science show I would watch, or every book I would read, I was thinking, can these new clues or thoughts or, or ideas relate somehow to the unified field theory? So it was always running like a program in the back of my mind. Solve this problem. Solve this problem. And uh, that's how it all got started. Just uh, kind of a fluke thing with the, the nuns at my catechism class. 
What exactly is catechism? Well, I, I'm, I was, you know, I am Catholic, and and that's a class that you take. You learn about you know religious sacraments and so forth, so that you're going to you know receive communion mm-hmm. and of things of that nature. So you got to go and go through the teaching and so forth. So that's basically what that's all about. And I enjoyed it. Enjoy church and. Uh, I always felt there was something to it, even as a young child. There's something going on there that's real and important. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I felt the same way as a kid and at a very early age, seeking out religion. It wasn't a big thing in my life until later on. And, you know, in my later years, I've kind of fallen away from it. I'm more of a spiritual person than a religious person. Um I don't know. I kind of feel like if all religions just came together, we'd get a yes. lot more answers. Uh, but the Catholic Church to me is very interesting. When I was in the Marine Corps, I actually got to go to uh, to the Catholic Church a couple times, and uh, it was very interesting to say the least. But it's to me intriguing. Um, recently, I heard they're going to retranslate the Bible. Hmm. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, no, but uh, I'm interested in hearing about that because one of the main problems I think with all the religions is in the interpretation of those mm-hmm. religions. That's where we've always had our problem. And I'm kind of like you. I think really all the religions are a, a truth to a certain extent. It's just you got to realize that if that religion doesn't teach about love, then the people who are interpreting it are wrong about what they're interpreting. Because it should be all about love. That's what God wants us to do. That's the main idea behind this life experience is learning how to love and be loved. And uh, so all these different religions basically, from as much as I know, do that to mm-hmm. one, de- more, one degree or another. They do that kind of thing. And it, if you follow that path, no matter which road you take, you'll wind up where you need to be, and that's with a personal relationship to God. So I'm pretty open about religion in general. I believe in reincarnation. Uh, I'm very much into spiritualism uh, and mediumship and those sorts of things. Um, those are real things, and they're becoming more accepted every day. So hang on, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. That's right. Put them down tight. Yeah, because the, there's a lot of wisdom to be gained by going to the source. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That's what I did when I was writing that book. And you got to first realize there is a source. And my experiences definitely have confirmed for me there is an afterlife. There is a God. There is a Jesus, a Buddha, all the the great ones, they're real and they're alive still on the other side, along with all, all of my family and, and friends and loved ones that have passed on. Nobody really dies. We no. leave the physical world, but we continue on. I believe that too. And it's awesome. It gives you something to look forward to because I do know yes. people that believe like once you're dead, that's it. It's over. Um, yes. I've just seen too many things throughout my life to know that is not true. Um, as a kid, did you have any sort of paranormal or spiritual experiences? Yeah, the the first thing I can remember was an image of um, a head 
but it was blurred and I, I couldn't make out what it was saying and it came up to my face and I was struck with fear. <laughs> Uh, and I kept that one to myself. It only happened once. And, and these these encounters like that, or ones that were much more gentle that happened later on in life, always happened at the edge between being awake and sleeping. As I, I would wake up or as I would just about to, to fall back to sleep, I would enter this state where I would hear a buzzing. And at that point, I could sense or be able to see or hear, smell, and feel the other side. Four out of my five senses, I, I managed to make connections to the other side over my years. And those personal experiences helped me be convinced for sure there's an afterlife. And I hope everybody gets on board with that at some point and, and finds their way. They they're have that personal relationship with God. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I've I have known the paranormal for so long, um, and I've had people in my family that I thought would be excited for me and interested in it. Uh, and my aunt told me, "Well, why do you think God's going to protect you when you're communing with demons?" But I don't think these spirits that I'm trying to help are are demons. I think they're people on the other side that, due to uh, like religious beliefs and whatnot are kind of stuck, you know, because of the whole heaven and hell thing, and they're afraid of judgment, and, and so some of them will stick around for that reasons. There's so many different reasons um, that they do stick around, but it's pretty intriguing. And like you said, as a kid, like, that really scared you. It's like the fear of the unknown. What is that? Why is it Why is it there? Could you tell us about any of your other paranormal experiences as a kid? Well, as a young, um, young person? Yeah, um, I didn't have many like that until actually I got much older during my divorce time period and shortly after. But uh, the the first thing that really happened to me that was important was deciding to go to uh, Casadega, Florida. I don't know. Have you ever heard of that town? No. Casadega is the spiritualist capital of North America. It's a small, sleepy little town near... Uh, St. Mary, uh, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a remarkable town. It's loaded with psychics and mediums, and I heard about it when I was going to Pope Community College here in Winter Haven, and the professor was talking about it, and I said, hey, that sounds cool. Why did I go mm -hmm. there? You know, at the time, just a kid, I'm going to get my fortune told, you know, it would be fun. We went with a bunch of guys. We, we drove down there. Uh, one weekend, it was a kind of a stormy weekend, gray, overcast, very windy. It was kind of spooky. It was in October, so it was, you know, a perfect time to go and kind of do that sort of thing. And uh, we went down there, and I, I met a psychic, and me and this other fellow named uh, Jeff Jones. We called him Duff. Uh, we went in and saw a lady. Her name is Martha McKay, and she's was the first one really to set me on this long road, this path, and it was done in a very subtle way because my reading was totally normal. Uh, you know, she hit everything right. You know, my career, my uh, how, my first wife predicted that, predicted I'd have two children. All of that came to pass. And um, I remember asking her if, 
I was going to be happy with this wife. And she hesitated. There was a long pause. And then she feebly shook her head yes. It didn't say yes, but just shook her head yes. And I said, hmm, it's not exactly, you know, an overwhelming yes, but I guess I'll take it. <laughs> but I was suspicious a little, but, you know, I let it go. Yeah, kind of like her body language or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it it just was like I was I'm thinking, hey, she can hear the other side. What if they're telling her to tell me this because I need to do this? You see what I'm saying? Like there's a life plan. And yeah, that's I part of the plan. Everything and happens for a reason. Plan, yeah. And part of the plan is that you need to marry this woman because that's who you're going to have the two kids with. And that's really important. And that marriage didn't work out. And um, eventually it failed. And um, so that always I thought about that. Uh, and, and that was it. It was like a normal you know, medium, a reading that you would get. And, and so then my other friend went in, he, he got his thing. We did that. And then we left and we drove to Daytona to meet the other guys who got scared off when the tree branch hit their car. And they said, we're getting out of here. And they left, left just me (laughs) and the other guy. So, um, we, as we were driving to Daytona, that's where things got really interesting. So we were talking about the, the readings And I told him about mine, and he told me about his and his spirit guides. And I had two spirit guides. I told him about that. It was very interesting. Then he said, well, that's really something about you, Mark. And I said, yeah, what? Because I don't remember anything unusual. And she says, oh, yeah, someday you're going to make a great discovery. You're going to be famous. I said, really? I wonder why she didn't tell me that. And I wondered... Yeah. And there again, I said, as the more I thought about it, because I kept asking that question, because I thought it was important to know why wouldn't she tell me that when I was in there? And I thought about it. And I said, well, if she did, you'd be asking questions. You would want to know more. And then then that would mess things up because mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes for predicting something too in too much detail forces you. Or you force yourself to try to push it forward to make it happen right away, which is kind of what I did. I, I was trying to invent something for years on and off because I remember it either being about an invention or a book or something. I couldn't remember exactly what he said many years later, and neither could he. When I finally found him 40-something years later, he couldn't remember exactly what he said either. But, um, but that stuck in my mind. That stuck in my mind for the rest of my life. I says, because that's kind of exciting. Hey, hey, I'm going to do something important. <laughs> I don't know what, but that started me, you know, in the back of my mind. It was always there, but I really didn't know what I was going to do. And then there was more meetings with other psychics along the way, and they kept leaving clues. And I mean, literally, I could fill a book with all the experiences and and in fact that's what I'm going to do I'm going to write a prequel to the book I have now and the reason why I'm doing that is because what is in this book I have now is of global importance there's discoveries in there that are earth-shaking and 
I need to write now that I have that and I've confirmed that that's right and correct and I'm about to release some scientific papers explaining the unified field theory as I followed Einstein's path and was able to complete that work that story now is important it needs to be told and and there's a great deal of spiritual connections and and experiences that are going on in the background throughout my life that slowly guide me into without actually saying you're going to do this on that day because they won't do that not for something like this this is was part of my life's plan i'm sure and it had to unfold naturally from my free will just like everybody else so what i'm saying to you now is this is true for everyone everyone's born with a life plan now my particular one is a little strange and obscure, I, no doubt about that, but everybody has a life plan, and the more you can stick to it and discover it, remember it, the happier and more successful you're going to be in life. I totally agree. Um, I also learned as a kid that um, supposedly, you know, when before we even come into our lives, we know what's going to happen and we can say yay or nay and um, exactly choose to go in or choose to opt out. And I mean, it's yep. just no matter how hard it is or, or can get, it really is a gift. And, you know, we're just spiritual beings having this human experience. How lucky are we? Yes, uh, that's exactly right. Right. And I've read many NDE stories, watched many videos on it, read books on it. I'm fascinated with the NDE experience because you can get wisdom there. Why? Because anybody who talks to the other side is basically talking to God. Uh, everybody's connected to God there on the other side, all our consciousnesses. And one of those NDEs confirms exactly what you said. Before we come down, before we're born, we have to go through classes, training, in order to do this this work, this task here in the material world. And so you, you get a life plan, you know, that's discussed and, and worked out and you accept that plan, you get the training and, and then you swear an oath. Uh, this uh, person said to God that you're going to try and remember what it is that you're supposed to do. Now, when we get here, some people do. Some people get pulled in the into the material too much, and they lose their way. And um, that's just the way the, the system was set up. Some people are going to make it. They're going to get that dealt uh, a, a hand, you know, uh, I guess what I would call it a hand of cards, you know, where you're playing in the game. Everybody gets dealt their cards, and you've got to try to play those cards as best as you can to maximize your first best destiny. And it's up to you to do that using your free will and choice to fulfill your life path. And so you, what you're saying is true. That's that's the way it works for everyone here. All 8 billion of us, we're under, no matter what religion we are uh, under or believe in, that's the way it works. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, it kind of goes back to love loving each other as god or jesus loved us unconditionally and not judging each other you know be here for each other help each other like lift each other up because this can be a difficult place to be 
Um, that's yes. one of the really key things. Rosie in the chat room was asking, so how do you feel about, you know... Uh... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Understanding our life plan. Uh, it's something I've thought about throughout my life. Uh, somewhere along the way, I, I got firmly convinced that that's the way it worked. It just seemed that way from all of the discussions I had with mediums and books that I read and, and things of that nature. Um, that how I feel about it is that I feel it's, it's a great system. This is is way it was designed through the power of intention from God, the whole universe, everything we have, all of this three dimensional world is within God. There is nothing outside of God. Everything within this physical universe has to correspond to laws, and God set those laws. They are immutable as God is immutable. None of this, what we see and experience, in, is an accident. It is intentioned by God. So, and, and, and that comes from a person who had an NDE who said that, and I fully agree with it. And it's hard here. And I'll tell you this, it's supposed to be hard. And he it's said It's school, that. man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when people say it's not fair, it's hard, it was designed that way because you can't get this experience on the other side. Everything's perfect. Everything is beautiful and happy. There, you can't be challenged. Here, when you're in the material realm, you're limited, you're, you know, throttled down to the point where you're not connected to God unless you work at it, you know, through meditation and so forth. When you do that, then you reconnect and you start to, you know, find your path. And so how do I feel about it? I think it's a great design. I think it's working just as it was supposed to. It's perfect. Yeah. This is very interesting. So um, near-death experiences, I've, luckily never had one i've had premonitions i've i've uh, known things were going to happen there was a point where um i was in a car accident i almost went off of a 500 foot cliff but instead went off of a uh closer to 25 footer and and lived through that had this tree not stopped me i would have fallen down you know uh, another 1500 feet into a, a dry river bed um but it was interesting the next day going back to the scene of the accident to 
um, get my, I had a 357 lever action and all kinds of other things in my car that I had left behind. And I was just wondering on the way up there, like, what if we show up at this vehicle and our bodies are in there? Like, what if we didn't live through this? Could you imagine? Twilight Zone. Right? I love that show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Have you ever had an NDE or or you've just interviewed people that have? No, uh, I know people personally, some of my good friends, uh, had many discussions and I continue, there's so many on the internet and they're really good, uh, especially those Anthony Chen or Chen, C-H-E-N-E, I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, he's actually French. Um, those are excellent NDEs to watch. I have watched many of them, but I'm I'm studying them. I'm just not, you know, being entertained. I'm listening to clues that they come up with and looking for commonalities and, and patterns. And there are. There's a lot of patterns in what they say. There's a lot of common things that occur and so forth. And and pretty much, you, you know, you can learn a lot of great stuff. And in my book, I, there is all, two chapters dedicated to an NDE that I looked for, which was based on the idea that actually came from Einstein. He said, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are just details. And so I thought about that for a while. And he says, wants to kind of read God's mind. You know, I don't want to be disrespectful here, but. Uh, maybe that's a good idea for me to try and, and and not read his mind, but know his thoughts. I mean, know how the universe works. He's the creator. If you want to know how something works, you need to go and talk to the person that created that something. That's what I did at IBM. That's what I whenever I was a troubleshooter. And basically what I did in this book is I troubleshot the unified field theory problem, basically figuring out why all the brilliant geniuses that have been, including Einstein, could not figure out this problem. And um, go to the source. And uh, now that you know that there is a source, now that I know that, I did. And eventually I sought something that I imagine should exist. It's something that Einstein was looking for. And I, I, I named this something. It's it's a dynamical geometry, and I didn't know the the type of geometry as well. I don't think Einstein did either. That was really inside of the neutron and the proton. When he was alive, uh, he lived all the way up to 1955. He never knew about the quarks. So I knew about the quarks now in this time, thanks to the Internet, thanks to me being able to study it. So I knew I was looking for something that was going to have three parts in it somehow, and was a dynamical geometry which was moving. So I thought, well, let's try to read God's mind, and how, how can I do that? And I says, well, people that talk to God, they they read his mind, or, I mean, he talks to them, they're communicating, and so why not look for uh, an NDE, uh, somebody who's seen this geometry and I suspected hey look if this is real what you're thinking about there's a possibility that set up ahead of time somebody saw the geometry you're looking for so I started reading through NDEs looking for somebody that 
found a geometry <laughs> that was in motion. And sure enough, I actually found one within a week. And this woman um, saw this. I don't know. You can see it's a trefoil oh, pattern. Wow. Looks like a pretzel. Uh, yeah. Well, that was exactly what I was looking for. And when she read about it, God is telling her, he's saying to her, um, this is how I create mass. Uh, I am the energy or the force that creates mass. You know, And he, he explicitly makes these statements that are clearly talking about how gravity and mass are formed you know, through the motion of energy, which is exactly what I was looking for and agree upon already. And he had, she showed her the de geometry. So that went into the book. So finally I got the dynamical geometry that I believe Einstein was looking for. And I called this geometry the signature of God. And this is how he signed his work. That trefoil knot basically is the, the magic that makes particles like neutrons and protons have mass. But there's more to the story. There's more technical detail uh, that makes all of this motion as it is. It makes sense in that what you have is three quarks who make that design that I showed you, that trefoil pattern inside in the neutron and the proton. So what she was seeing was the heart of matter itself and how he designed this system. Again, I mean, it's genius. It's, and it kind of looks like a it, Celtic it knot, too, everything. that I think about it, um, the way it has those three parts to it. I don't know. It's pointier with the Celtic thing, but did you have that right. made, or did you make that? Uh, where did you get that? This was a gift from my daughter. I don't know where she found it. I never That's saw amazing. it. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but, but I use it now on these shows to show people you know, it's kind of hard to, to describe things sometimes. It's a picture is worth a thousand words. So, you know, I put pictures of it in my book. And and basically, that does everything that's needed to be done. And that those quarks form this. They're moving so fast. I calculated it to be 0.9995% the speed of light. It's almost the speed of light. 99, <laughs> over 99%. So when they do, when they move that rapidly, those electromagnetic particles, it literally forms into a knot because they're, they're essentially everywhere within that structure at the, at the same moment almost. And that's what holds it together. Clearly, you can see it's the most simple form of a knot, and it works perfectly to hold those particles in place. Now, the other thing that's happening is it's spinning and revolving. It's rolling and spinning at the same time. So eventually what you get is a rotating sphere, which is exactly what you need to generate mass. And I, and I go into that. There's a lot more detail in that uh, to talk about. But in the book, I describe it in high detail. I, and then I work out the math, which I've just completed now, which is going in a paper that I'm about to submit to some journals over the Internet. So um, there's been talk about astral travel as far as Tesla and other people and um, communication with aliens. Do you think that Einstein did something like he, this? They, they actually, this out? I have a paper here somewhere. Somebody just sent me the other day that he and another famous scientist, one of the guys that worked on um, 
the Manhattan Project, and I can't think of his name right now, but Oppenheimer uh, had discussions. Uh, I think the Department of Navy or somebody asked them their opinion on the whole subject and what what they uh, thought about it. So that's about all I know that, uh, you know, this discussion, which is now declassified, uh, his opinion. So, he, you know, he did consider it. He did think about it. But in those days and times, there wasn't much being reported on UFOs. Uh, they were just coming in, starting in around 1947, I think, was when the first reports you know, hit the news. So he might have seen some of that and maybe gave it some thought. But uh, is was he an alien? No. As a, <laughs> did he meet aliens? Not that I know of. Uh, he was a strict, straightforward kind of physics guy. And uh, the only oddities that I think that um, remain mysterious is the Philadelphia experiment, which he was involved in to some extent. I don't know if he was actually there to see the what happened, uh, but he helped the Navy work on that project, which was a project to make uh, ships at sea radar invisible. Uh, but they wound up doing a lot more than that, <laughs> as the story goes. Yeah, didn't uh, Tesla back out of that? He said it wasn't a good idea and uh, some bad things were going to happen. Isn't that the same project where um, they actually kind of blinked out? They did disappear, and then they came back, but people were in the walls and in the floors and right. stuff like that. It was a horrible oh, Terrible. Yeah, because it the magnetic. they used a magnetic resonant field, very powerful magnets inside the ship, and they were turning them on and off, and it was going back and forth and, you know, resonating at some frequency, and um, it it really messed with the matter of the people, and it, depending on if they had metal on or whatever, things got worse for them. They wound up in the bulkheads and stuff. It was a terrible, uh, it sounded terrible <laughs> if it really happened. And, yeah, uh, and people it, still deny it. My grandpa actually had a book on it. About that because I asked. Yeah, there was a couple books written, and um, in my next book, I will touch on that. I don't want to reveal any more in that, but there will be much more information on that because I asked about that to somebody in the know. <laughs> right. Yeah, my grandpa. He just passed away, but he was in the navy, so. You know, uh, when you are in the military, they sh share certain things with you that they won't share with anybody else sometimes, not all the time. But he had that book and my sister, you know, took it to read it. And then I think our brother took it because we haven't been able to find it again or it could be something else going on. But very intriguing. Did you see the picture of the ship that uh, went from being in the sea that was in the side of like a rock cliff face? I think that's in Russia or somewhere like that. Do you think they were doing no. some experiments like that as well? or I, I think all the major governments have done experiments like that and more. Uh, in my book, I talk about the Stargate, which I'm pretty sure that the U.S. government has. And that's a fabulously powerful technology <laughs> in that you could to not only traveling to other parts of the galaxy, but other dimensions, as well as going back and forward in time. 
the back in time, I don't re recommend them doing that, but um, they probably are. I don't know what they're messing with, but if they do it too much, they could pollute the timeline, and that could lead to some very serious problems. I don't know if we could notice it because it's hard because then history gets rewritten from the point of the change. So well, I think our consciousness is will notice it at a very subconscious level if we notice the changes at all. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of strange things that I think the government are, are doing, this government and some of the other governments that uh, just really haven't been leaked out there. They're stranger than the the stories we get, and the conspiracy stories we hear, I'm sure. The real, yeah. the, the yeah. truth is stranger than fiction, I can tell you. I was you about that. to say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite lines. Fact is indeed stranger than fiction. Guarantee it. Um, yeah. In the Hadron Collider, where they're using the God particle and they're doing these collisions trying to recreate the Big Bang, do you think, like, for me, these are scientists, these are intelligent people, and they, they're thinking this metal tube can contain this. But like you said, there's a small percentage of us that notice these different changes. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Mandela effect, but I think yeah. it has a lot to do with this collision with the God particle. Like, I think it's really messing things up. Or like you said, it could be the whole time travel thing, people traveling in time. There's been pictures and even paintings pop up with people holding cell phones and, yeah, and different so. things like that. Well, it looks like they're holding a cell phone, but who would they be talking to in that time? There's no cell phone towers. It looked like they were playing, uh, what is that game? Candy Crush? <laughs> Sitting <laughs> so there playing Candy Crush. The truth can be stranger than fiction. It's who knows. There's you know somebody might have messed with the photograph. You know, so hard. It's frustrating to deal with some of these things because my analytical mind will then try to analyze that and say, well, did they fake this? Did they do that? You know, pictures can be altered, but um, yeah, Photoshop. They have to be validated, like these recent pictures that came from the Navy pilots and such. I mean, the Navy even says, that, you know, these are real. So you got somebody in authority that says they're real, then that that makes a big difference. Uh, so have yeah, ever, there's a lot of strength. Have you ever witnessed a UFO? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah? What oh, was your experience sure. with that? What did it look like and what exactly happened? Well... Um, the most dramatic one, I, I've seen several over there. I saw some when I was in Miami, and that made the newspaper the next day. It was back in the 70s. And uh, that, that wasn't very dramatic. To, you know, in the Miami night sky, there's not many stars because of all the pollution and, and humidity. Uh, if there's anything up there bright, it's going to stand out because there's not much else there but the moon. And they were like seven... Uh, UFOs and they were bobbing up and down like this relative to each other in a kind of a pattern going like that. And everybody, many thousands of people saw it. It was in the Miami Herald the next day. And um, that was interesting. But the one that really I saw, my wife and I saw together, uh, was at this house that I'm living at now. I, I had gotten up about, it was around 3.30 in the morning to get a drink I was at the refrigerator, and I was looking, and uh, I noticed all these red and green flashing lights coming from the front window. And I says, well, there must be a cop car or something 
somebody out there and must have pulled somebody over. So I turned around to look, and there was no cop car. There was no cars, but there was a giant oblong-shaped object over the lake in front of my house. It was bigger than my house, and um, it was close. It was, <laughs> I would say, within 50 to 75 yards away. Unfortunately, it was pitch black that night, and those lights were so bright, it was hard to make out. Oh, I wish I could have saw details, you know, like metal pieces and inscriptions or whatever, but it was just, you know, a shape with these incredibly bright red and green lights that eventually all went to red. It was just floating very slowly, going about one or two or three miles an hour back and forth over the lake. And then it just went that way, west, and and it went over into the tree line, and I couldn't see it anymore. And what I did was I got very and got my wife, because she was a big non-believer. And I made her get up, and I we made her go in there, and I said, well, what do you think of that? Is it an airplane? No. Is it a helicopter? No, it's not making any sounds. Is it a hot air balloon? No. All she could do was just stare, and she and I asked her, "What do you think?" She said, "I was just afraid." It's and she was she won't talk about it really. She won't. Isn't that she just interesting? About <clears throat> a lot of people that do have these experiences that are you know logically minded and they don't believe in things like this won't talk about it. I don't know if they feel like it gives it power or I don't know. Is it due to fear? Pretty interesting. You yeah. have to reach over and just, you know, put her jaw back in place. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was considering taking a flashlight out there, going across the street to the lake and shining it on the thing and getting their attention. But then I remember reading about all the, you know, the Whitley Stryber kind of things there and abductions. And I thought, this could go really bad if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when because I... Uh, go ahead. Well, because there's family members, and what I don't want to start is them, you know, coming to our house every other night and pulling people out of the rooms for, you know, sticking, you know, needles in your eyeballs and, and whatever they do. Yeah. I didn't really want to bring that on to my family. And so what we did, we kept all the lights off on the porch there. We laid low and we watched quietly, not trying to get its attention. I thought, that would be the wisest thing to do. If I were single, I probably would have went out there with the flashlight because it was just me and I'm so damn curious. I would like to have some, you know, speak speak to time with these guys. And I know, you know, all I have to do is think and they're going to be able to hear it and then, and then they can talk back to me and I can learn some really good stuff. I could ask some really good questions about how their system works. And that would have been great to uh, be able to get, but too risky. Yeah. <laughs> when you have family, like you said, you have to rethink things. <clears throat> when I saw one for the second time within a year, it was in 2012 when, like my dad has always told me about them and he believed in them. So I believed in them, but I didn't see my first one till 2012 when I was pregnant with my son who was born with six fingers on his right hand, interestingly enough. But um, 
We saw this entity following us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Ignacio, my daughters were watching out the back of my... I had a 72 Grand Torino I was driving at the time. And they're like, Mom... There's this uh, orange light following us in the sky, and, and I'm like, I can't look right now because I'm driving. But once I got to a point in the road, I stopped, got out of the Torino, and my daughter, Nova, she's 17 now. I think she was maybe 10 or 12 at the time. She's like, Mom, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting out so I can see what you guys are talking about. So I got out, and I looked up, and there was this orange ball in the sky. And uh, she just begged me to get back in. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And so we did. We went back home. And then after I had my son, um, everybody's playing video games. I'm holding him. Uh, I just got done feeding him. And I'm looking out the window because my daughter's friend went missing. Um, And I'm looking out across this uh, horse field. And it's a full moon. And I'm looking at the sparkling snow and hoping, like, wherever this kid is, he's safe. And, and, um warm and taken care of uh and then all of a sudden I see this ball coming down the fence line and it was closer so it was bigger it was about three or four feet in circumference or diameter or whatnot um at a slow walking pace moving down the uh, fence line and I put my son down run over to the door I am so like panicked or like excited I'm trying to get my phone to go to camera mode I can't get it to work So, um, I opened the door and I stepped out. I stepped one foot out on the porch because like you said, curious, I want to see what this is, perhaps communicate, but I have kids that I have to raise. So step back in, close the door, called the family over. Everybody saw the same thing, except for my husband said he saw an orb with an extremely large glowing bat in it, flapping its wings at a slow rate of speed. So I don't know if that's their shields or what, but we all saw a ball and it looked like liquid fire flowing through it. It was yellow, orange, and red, but the predominant color was orange. It was just very interesting. What kind of fence was it that it was going near? Um, it changes down the line. One's really tall. Uh, the cat lady next door has a very tall fence to keep the cats in. And then there's a regular, um, just like three wire fence. And then um, just a couple wires, and then our back fence is a chain link that's about uh, seven feet tall. Uh, it sounds, it sounds like ball lightning. Was there a storm that night? No. No, it was a perfectly yeah. clear night. Like I said, the moon was shining. Um, um, you could see something in it, though, right? 
it looked like a glass orb with liquid fire flowing through it. And I have seen ball lightning before when I was about five years old and it looked more like a flaming ball. It wasn't contained. This was contained within like a, like a snow globe, like a glass orb or some sort of force field. Did it go up into space eventually and go? No, it just just moved along the line to where it was behind the big old blue spruces in our backyard. Then I couldn't see it anymore disappeared okay mm-hmm. and then i've gotten pictures of ufos too um taking pictures of the sky and the moon uh, my mom died when i was five almost six so i've always had this fascination with the sky she was an artist so i'm like my mom painted that <laughs> um so i'll take pictures of the sky and stuff and i actually accidentally got pictures of ufos i'll share those with uh, you later so you can uh, check them out yeah interesting wow well there's a lot of UFO sightings out there. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I'm mainly interested in how they work. And that's what I talked about a lot in the book. And uh, there's a lot of stories that associate magnetic, strong magnetic fields to UFOs. And that got my curiosity up for years after I started reading that. You know, the Air Force going out, taking magnometers with them. And then, you know, my eyebrow went up and said, magnometers do you know something that everybody else doesn't know why would you bring that particular instrument out there you're going to look for magnetic fields so you must know that you're taking it to a landing site and on one of these expeditions they sampled the grass and they found that the grass was magnetized at a landing site and i'm saying wow you really gotta have a strong magnetic field to do that so that was just something I cataloged from my teenage years. I'm saying this this has something to do with the unified field theory. This anti-gravity method, it's using magnetisms. That's a known force. That's something that we could use. Uh, all I have to do is figure out how. How does magnetism make anti-gravity or is it a field that is a result of some other anti-gravity field that we don't understand or know. Either it has to, and then the magnetism is a byproduct. Um, but over the years, I, I've come to now know for sure magnetism, you use the magnetic field to generate the anti gravity field. And it's all explained in my book how magnetism is really a rotation of space. And when you rotate space like that it's a twisting a torsional field so when you twist something and i'm talking about basically a fundamental field which magnetism is not the fundamental field it's an aspect of the fundamental field electrostatic field charge electricity is another aspect it's another force and then the gravitational force these are all different bendings of a single fundamental field, which I talk about in the book, and I tell you is the ether, which has been discarded, but incorrectly. So I have to go back in my book, correct that mistake, and say, hey, there is so much evidence for this. You guys got it wrong. There is an ether, and that's where the three fundamental fields come from. So magnetism is just the one that we need to use in order to generate an anti-gravity field, and you do that by literally pulling space apart. When you twist it, 
you know, like when you imagine if you're using silly putty and you, you got your silly putty, which is an, an elastic and the fundamental field, as I've come to learn, is a quasi elastic solid. So if you twist that field, if you twist the silly putty and you watch and you keep twisting it, it gets thinner, gets thinner until it snaps. And that's what happens with space. It doesn't ever snap, but it gets thinner and thinner and it creates a pressure gradient. And that's what's needed in order to create an anti-gravity field and a field of propulsion. So not only can you not just block the gravitational field underneath the spaceship, you can shield it. But you then twist the magnetic fields, you, you stagger them stronger and stronger from one end of the ship to the other, you actually get a pressure wave. And that's the force that's used to propel the ship. So it's a, it's a really nifty uh, trick. And it, I describe that a particular field is, uh, I call it in my book, the slip wave. And so there's a lot of information about how the slip wave works exactly and it's all classic physics nothing fancy no quantum mechanics needed that's the sweet irony of all of this in the end einstein was really right after all yeah and I, they've proven it repeatedly yeah. but when you're talking about that i can imagine like okay here's this magnetic field you know how you try to put two magnets together and they will reject each other like they'll have that force between them so maybe that has a little bit to do with it i don't know i'm just thinking <laughs> thinking out yes. loud the magnetic field is, is is just simply stresses and tension in tensions in the medium and if you don't believe in the medium then this is all you know woo and magic to physicists because I, I even talk about it in my book one of the greatest physicists uh, richard feynman uh was asked, and I, I put a link in the book, you can go watch the video about how the magnetic field works, which how you just described it. The guy was asking him, how does that work exactly? And I mean, he sits there for 30 minutes and never answers that question, basically <laughs> by saying, the person asking, you're not smart enough to understand it. You have to have a background in all of this stuff, and unless you have a background in this math, and I can't say what it is exactly. Instead of just saying, you know, really, you don't know. They still yeah. don't know. And that's Nothing the honest answer. And, you know, I could really I could really respect that, but you know, he tried to just you know, muddle things up with a lot of, you know, well it's you know, it's very technical, it's a lot of math and and you could derive this and that and, and just say, you know, we really don't know how the magnetic field works. Yeah, like you said, I respect that a lot more than, you know, somebody like my English teacher used to say, if you don't know the answer, baffle with bullshit. And and uh, I'm like, true. And <laughs> yeah. I actually got a couple A's doing that. <laughs> um, but on that yeah. note, we do have to go to our first musical break. On this break, we have Miss Tamara Bubble. We also have Brick Casey and our musical host, Roy Washington. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this musical break. Yeah. Bubble on that. Yeah. Real cute. To be honest, I don't really wear many. I don't even really rock panties. Let me be clear. I'm used to getting a few new big pair each year from my granny. Uh, 
Couple sex and ones that might come up And I done had way too much Any a drunk text go out They come and eat the sweet juice And pry down there I'ma go that route But now, nigga Wrong song I only need a couple of buzz To turn you on That's why I started mentioning That lingerie But pull her to the studio With some long jobs This verse about to take a turn For the worst And all them cute panics Gonna be long gone Cause the hating niggas That I wrote it for They ain't afraid of wordplay That's why they wrote this for So I'ma drive them wild Nigga, one day They might hit all about My voice shows just straight Bloody thongs Even put them head up with panics on the cover so they wonder how that bubble tape You can stay mad, be miserable, old, predictable Maybe not even applicable, but yeah, you typical Check your mind if it ain't you Cause way too many queens rockin' shades cause they eyes black and blue Way too many dudes waiting to hands on the Disconnected, but don't worry, he be back online hating in a second. Back at the crib, remember she paid her phone and the rent. Squash your nigga vegetable soap. Now he souped up in my mentions on some vegetable bro. Leaving comment after comment, you that thirsty drink vomit. I promise I ain't never seen nobody win her so much time to hate me. Be honest, is you mad at me or the fact that I'm grinding? It's a fact that I'm winning, son. I really be shining. Why you pressed on my diamond? You ready to swing on this little bitty girl? So don't tell me I'm lying. Way too many dudes waiting to hands on the Number. See, it only rings straight to the machine. 
twice. How you doing, boo? Cool, how's your date? Nice. Now she ain't picking up, plus a texter. Put the ticket plane, she's the one to get next to. It's not just the way it's all day with affection. I'm hoping this detection is poor reception. Straight to the machine, mean it's like clicking my car, get connected quick. I'm saying, hey, Mr. Sailor Phone Man, I see there's something wrong with my line. I try to dial my baby's number, but get click every time. Mr. Sailor Phone Man, I see there's something wrong with my line. I try to dial my baby's number, but get click every time. She working and the second time I call, I'm like a little bit hurting. But the third time I call, I'm like going berserk and now half a day gone. Can't get her on the horn. Usually in the morn, maybe something wrong. I mean, she wouldn't take this long to call back. She be tight like that. She's supposed to be mine. So get you please try it one more time. Hey, Mr. Sailor Phone Man, I see there's something wrong with my line. I try to dial my baby's number, but get click every time.
With badges to white sheets and the maggots Watch them fall as I tag them Because I'm better than average A sharpshooter with words With my eye to the scope And they escape when I've dawned The black cape is hell no I'm a ninja for right Who can vanish from sight Pick you off in the night But still the Lord is my light Perceiving all you see The truth behind the scenes Instead of jumping bandwagons The light says believe in me Cause you're a puppet no doubt 45th turns you out Though I saw your lips moving No sound came out So I was sent from the heavenlies Born so you could find me Swam the scene and stream to fight during the 90s Landed in grace Wrote a verse of hip hop Got with Jay And found a taste Was smooth as butterscotch We had good love and money Problems They be on me But we stayed in the flow And had juice like Manolo They can try to oppress You can try to impress Cause after success None less You can look in my eyes You can feel my vibes I came down inside And it's all I'm here to raise the consciousness for every face of race up in this nation trapped in poverty. Diamond in a rough, need to cut shape it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Impolish it. Bad thoughts cripple life. We get to be an optimist. We get to be an optimist. Reconstruct apocalypse. Broke people always hating. Mix me with that gossiping. Rolls up in the concrete. Rain and sun, I'm blossoming. My people need to be like kind of Velcro. Then we conquer it. try to oppress. You can try to impress. After success, none less. You can look in my eyes, you can feel my vibes You can lean down inside and it's so subliminal I don't want to stop, I ain't worried about nothing If it ain't a problem, I need to get it out of my mind 
joke and he's weak and disgust. He plans to divide, but there's no stopping us. If we have to fight, go toe to toe for our lives. We prevail and got sight, cause only light I recite. I blow my lyrics like a shotgun, camouflage inside the tracks, now watch the suckers run. Now moving fast enough, hands up, now here I come. I designed 50 ways to make this murder fun. I spit the lyrical rain that coat the concrete, that give life and take form. Arise and walk the street, am I the greatest to spit, feel the spray and we'll see. Let it dry all the lies and the truth will point to me. Even when surrounded by a million of seas, I'm the one under the sun who's the greatest of these. I got the Holy Ghost juking and tapping while I'm a rapping. Sticking and moving like Roy Jones, I'll make it happen. Even animals move when the novelist is rocking. My doggy started barking, his ears just a flopping. Subliminally, I penetrate camps like an enemy. Flicking the lights, cancel sight, cause you're not seeing me. You can try to oppress, you can try to impress. I'm just after success, nothing less, You can look in my eyes, you can feel in my vibes. Look, I came down inside. And it's so sudden, I got God on my side. I ain't worried about none. If it ain't about money, then it ain't about none. Laughing at my enemies, I know they see me coming. If it ain't subliminal, they can't even see me coming.
like it dirty. You are so dirty. You like it dirty, yeah? Uh, undercovers. Yeah. She like it dirty. You are so dirty. You like it dirty, yeah? Welcome back, and thanks so much for joining us tonight on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. Tonight, we have Mr. Mark Fiorentino. Welcome back, Mark, and thank you so much for, I don't know, basically blowing our minds with all of this awesome information that you've come up with since the age of 10, all all starting with your birthday. Mm-hmm. Yep. It all began with just a strange coincidence and uh, certainly that got me interested in Einstein. I really wanted to learn a lot more since we had this one thing in common. And uh, there's there's even more to the story that will happen in my next book. <laughs> I just don't want to give it away yet because it's, it's just too unbelievable to talk about here. But it, it's... Very, very interesting. There's a definite connection between me and Einstein, and I'm very honored and happy to have that connection. So Skywatcher in the chat room was wondering, Mark, how does it work in space where there is no ether, no medium? The ether is everywhere. One should should realize that in this universe, there's only one thing that does exist physically. That's the ether. Everything is made from that, is within it. So there is no place we could go where it's not there. Uh, as we travel through space, our whole planet, our bodies, all the atoms that make up our bodies and everything are inside of it and are just nothing but particles are nothing but configurations of space that are moving within it. And so as Einstein said, electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of a single fundamental field. That single fundamental field that everything comes from is the ether or space. It's the, you know, space-time continuum. It's the same thing, different words. And he even talks about it years later because he, he waffled a little bit on the ether discussion there was a time uh, when he was working with special relativity. They were looking. There was a Michelson and Morley experiment that was designed to detect the ether wind. In other words, as Earth goes through space, they figured, you know, it's moving in a particular direction. And since the ether would be standing still, there would be a wind like, you know, like our, us running through the air and there would be a wind passing as the air is stationary as we move past it. They expected the same kind of thing to happen there. But the ether was completely misunderstood, and the effect, that effect was never going to happen. And Einstein says why. I don't know to what depth he actually understood this, but he explained it, and... The, the important thing to know, that experiment failed to detect the ether wind. And it's I spent many years analyzing that because it, there's a mistake here because there is an ether. So why didn't it detect the ether wind? And it took me a long time just to realize that the particle they used, which was a light particle, they were shining it 
into a mirror and then it would turn and, you know, was going at 90 degrees and they were timing each segment, right? And they figured one way that it's going, if it's going against the wind here, going this, this way and then and back and, and then parallel here, their timing would be off if there was an ether wind. But what they didn't realize is the photon, the particle they were using, always travels at the same speed. It doesn't matter relative to the ether because the particle, the photon, is an autonomous motion. Its motion comes from within itself. It's not going to be affected by your momentum or your motion, plus or minus the ether. So it had no possible way of actually working and detecting the ether wind because the photon always moves at the speed of light. So everybody else measuring it, doesn't matter which way you're moving or whatever, you're going to see the speed of light. That's the only number you're going to see. And that's because its motion is independent of your motion, the, the emitting source of the thing. Like, you know, if we were in a train and we had a flashlight and the train is moving 100 miles an hour and we shine the flashlight forward and hits the wall, the velocity of the light is not the velocity of light plus 100 miles an hour. It would just be the velocity of light. The, the train speed isn't going to expect, uh, isn't going to interfere with the motion of the light. And, and, and that's a simple solution. And the important thing to remember is Einstein knew, knew about the results of the Michelson-Morley experiment. So he changed his word, wording inside of special relativity to say, I don't really need an ether for this to work. I've got this other explanation. So he did a little, you know, sleight of hand and everybody went with it. They, he, he, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus. It looks smart because he knew the results. And so he put in the special relativity paper. Oh, we don't need any ether. I mean, he says it exactly. I forget the words, but um, he talked about there's. No need to for I don't need an ether for this math to work and for this theory to work. So he kind of dodged a bullet because he really wanted his theory to be accepted. So even though his theory, which mainly comes from Lorenz, the Lorenz transformations, which he discovered as well, along with Lorenz, are based on ether model. The theory of special relativity started out being an ether model. And he had to, at the last minute, he released his paper just a few months before the final announcement from Michelson and Morley, which he admits in uh, 
certain speeches later in his later years that he knew about it. And, and so that's the, that started physics in the wrong direction because now they abandoned, they really abandoned the idea of the ether. So, but in, yeah, I'm about to, to say, ether. uh, something Couldn't, that has really nothing could, to do with anything except yeah. for ether. I had the kids calling the Easter bunny, the ether bunny this year. That was pretty fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, are the solar winds and the ether winds the same thing or are these different? No, the solar winds are particles that are coming from like the sun, you know, protons, yeah. electrons, whatever, photons. Those that's a particle field, and and the ether is a quasi-elastic solid. It's a continuous thing. It's it's not made of particles. It has no parts. It's one continuous solid. And solid, the truest meaning of solid is simple: that which is continuous. So there's no break in it. It's it's a solid thing that exists everywhere. It is what I'm saying is space is a real physical object and how you manipulate it is by you moving particles through it like electrons. Electrons when they move they make a magnetic field. Now now you have a way of making a magnetic field that bends space. And if you move particles in a, a, an accelerated manner you can make a gravitational field or mass. Now you bend space by causing it to contract. So there's only so many ways you can, you know, bend silly putty, right? You can stretch it, you can press it, and you can twist it. And you can twist it clockwise or counterclockwise. And you know what? That's exactly what we see when we see particles. There are particles that are clockwise, you know, rotation. There's other particles, you know, like the electron or counterclockwise. It's just like it's uh, we're working with a solid, and and it's it's really all in the book that describes these things in great detail. I have put a lot of effort into proving the theory that the ether exists. And without it, then you don't really you know you can't really explain a general relativity as Einstein. Uh, did he basically made a speech to ether and relativity in 1920 in Leyden, and he goes into it to honor his good friend Hendrik Antoon Lorenz. He basically says, uh, recapitulating, we may say, according to the general theory of relativity, space is endowed with physical qualities. In this sense, therefore, there exists an ether. According to general relativity theory, uh, space without an ether is unthinkable. For in such space, there not only would be no propagation of light, but also no possibility for uh, of existence for standards of space and time, measuring rods and clocks, nor therefore any space-time intervals in the physical sense. So he basically says, you have to have a physical space. There has to be something there in order for you to be able to experience time. And I can give you a simple example of why this is true. Distance equals rate times time. If I solve for uh, time, I go d distance divided by rate. If distance in space, let's say I have a meter uh, rod in outer space, I'm holding it with my hand. If there's nothing between the two ends of that rod, in space, 
if space is really equal to nothing, as many mathematicians and scientists say, then the value for that distance has to be zero. And if you divide anything into zero, it's infinitely fast. So no matter what rate you were, would be moving, you would get from one end to the other infinitely fast. Because why? Because there's nothing there. But that's not what we see. Whenever we fire a speed of light in space and we measure uh, from some distance, it takes an interval of time that's only possible because there's something there to traverse. If there was nothing there, light would move infinitely fast, and that never happens. So there's something out there, and I, I go every kind of which way, and I prove, well, light's a transverse wave. What does that mean? It means it's, got, it's going in and out and up and down at the same time. Where do we get transverse waves? In solids. More evidence, and I pile it up one thing after another after another. I punch, I punch them in the face with this. Hey, you guys got to snap out of this. There definitely is an ether, and everything that we experience is evidence of that. So, you know, stop with the abstract mathematics and these other, you know, very highly speculative ideas, and let's get back to what we know is real and true and work with it. So that answers the ether question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Hopefully I, I've absorbed some of it. Man, there's just so much going on and it just blows my mind. Like, how how did he know all of these things? Like, oh my gosh. He was just a genius. I felt bad for his wife. I actually read something the other day uh, that came up. I think it was on uh, Instagram or somewhere and it was Einstein. He wrote something to his wife. Don't expect... Uh, don't expect a lot of talk, you know, and don't expect me to yep, be intimate with about. you, so on and so forth. And I'm like, man, that poor lady. <laughs> I think that yeah. was his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, that was his first wife. Yeah. Uh, America. She, they had a, a pretty bad divorce. I mean, in the end, they kind of worked things out. But, yeah, there was a point there where he just wanted the basic, you know, do the physical things to take care of me and let's not talk because they were not getting along and they were just fighting and everything. There was a lot of things going on there. She was almost a physicist. She went through school. She didn't quite make it through. Oh, wow. So, you know, there was some, you know, envy there about, you know, him becoming big and famous. And then she was trying to live through him vicariously or whatever. And uh, Did she quit school to be with him, or did that happen before they even got together? No, I, I'm, she didn't pass uh, the finals. Oh, no. Yeah, I can see where that could be a sore spot, I she guess. She was the only woman in that class. I mean, hey, physics That's back then awesome. was really tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was ahead of her time, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's an interesting story. That was his first wife. He got along much better with the second wife. She basically just wanted to go along for the ride with his cousin. And, you know, and she enjoyed the spotlight and all the uh, the hubbub and the traveling and meeting celebrities and all that stuff. And so they got along pretty good. Interesting. Yep. So he was only married twice. Right, right. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
don't know, I'm just interested in, in different variations, different parts of people's lives. Like, what makes them tick? What makes them who they are? Um, I think I also read a thing that said, like, he'd get so into his work that he actually, like, would, he actually peed his pants, you know, because he got so into it. Is that true or is that false? I never heard that. I, You know, I don't know every detail of what, you know... I've never read that. I was never even looking for that. Yeah, me neither. Um, he, I read it somewhere a was, long time I've ago. I've heard many stories that he would get lost on the way home. from. He would walk home. He never drove a car. So when he was at Princeton, he'd have to walk home. And sometimes he would be so deep in thought, he'd lose his way. You know, you, you've had that. I've had that happen. I'm driving and suddenly I don't know, where the heck am I? Because <laughs> I've been in this thought. For so long that, you know, you're just driving automatically, you're not hitting anything or running over, but you're just kind of, I've been this route every day. And suddenly you go from being here to 30 miles down the road and you don't remember how you even got there because you were so into thought. And uh, he was like that. And then, you know, I kind of do the same thing. I like to do mind experiments. Uh, Usually mine happen in the middle of the night. I wake up and I can't go back to sleep and I'm thinking I'm... I'm playing a photon moving in my mind or I'm I'm trying to figure something out and that that can happen for a couple three hours and while I was writing the book that happened a lot for 4 years I was waking up in the middle of the night trying to work on this problem trying to resolve this issue doing mind experiments the mind is a great lab and it's it's very powerful and it's very inexpensive and I couldn't afford all the equipment to do a lot of these tests, so I would just try to imagine knowing, taking from real experiments that other people did, and not trying to push something into the experiment, but just observe, just watch what's happening, and play that back, you know, as how it relates to the actual experiments, and then try to get some meaning, look for a pattern. Was always looking for patterns, and I found some. I found some in the standard model. This, this little, this little guy right here. See this guy? That's the standard model of particle physics, right? I found mm-hmm. one. At, you know, I discovered when I call my happiest. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I, uh, I was working at the... Uh, here in Winter Haven Hospital, and I was on a break. I was in the IT department, and I was on a break between jobs, and I, I was working on why. The problem is a deep question. Why do all these particles in this standard model have mass but one? If somebody could answer that question, they'd have the unified field theory. 
And I thought, well, there's got to be an answer because they're all made of the same stuff. They're all electromagnetic fields, little tiny particles, all of them, including the photons, electromagnetic field. So I asked myself, well, what's different? What's different about the photon? Well, the photon is unique in that it has a balance of charge. It's half positive, half negative, exactly balanced. Uh, so there is a structure there to deal with. All the other particles are either positive or negative. And what does that do? That structure affects how they move. The photon moves in a very specific way. It always goes in a straight line at a constant rate of speed. So it does not accelerate. And then the light bulb went on in my head. All the other particles have unbalanced charges, and they're moving like this. Uniform circular motion. They have angular momentum. And we know from Newton, and we know from Einstein, who made this a very important principle called the equivalence principle, gravity and acceleration are somehow the same thing. And I know this kind of motion is accelerated motion. And so this kind of motion is not. And the particle that moves like that just so happens to have no mass because it's not accelerating. And I said, kaboom, that's it. <laughs> Holy cow. I just discovered why all the other particles have mass and this one doesn't. It's because of the way they move through the ether. The accelerated ones cause a contraction of space when they accelerate through it. And the photon doesn't do that. It moves straight at a constant rate of speed, no acceleration. So that was that that led to the whole branch of me going off and saying, now I understand why Newton said acceleration had something to do with mass. Now I understand why Einstein clearly says it has something to do with mass. Now it's time to figure out why acceleration creates mass. And eventually I got to the point where I discovered that acceleration, thanks to Einstein again, uh, causes a contraction of space. So that was a, my happiest thought. And, and that is something I, I think back on, on very often that day and, and that realization that I now know the origin of mass. I now know the origin of gravity and of inertia. I can link them all to the same phenomena. It's mechanical, just like Newton said. The universe is a clockwork. Wasn't he the same one that said for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction? Yes, that's one of Newton's laws. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh... I think that's the first law. It's no, my favorite. No, it's the third law. It's the third law of motion. Rosie in the chat room was wondering, do you ask yourself about what it is you're questioning and then let it go? Then a few hours to days uh, later, the perfect answer comes to you in your mind that you know is true without a doubt. I do that all the time. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a very good question. Um, I call I call it just I I ask the question and I, I I let my I admit to my subconscious I allow work on it. I don't directly think on it anymore. Uh, I I say I know the answer. I, I'm going to find the answer, and it's going to 
And so I start taking in, I'm, you know, I'm watching TV, I'm reading a book. Eventually, the thing, you know, it, and it may take years sometimes, but I don't worry about it. I says, this is a question I want to know the answer. I'm going to continue to think about it. I'm going to continue to read about it. And I'm going to let that answer come to me eventually. Uh, it'll it'll do it from logic and, and intuition, a combination of these things as an, basically an infusion that comes in. And then, bing, you know, the light turns on one day and you finally get the answer. And I'm just patient about it. I says, hey, if it takes years, uh, that's okay. I'll just keep thinking about it. And I just, like she said, I just let it sit there and, and very often you know you know i'm waking up from a dream even and in certain cases it comes to me in a dream or uh something of that nature yes that's i think a lot of people do that but that's definitely something i do do i like these questions if there's any more out there ask them yeah as they come up i'll, I'll let you know but yeah rosie's had a, a few good ones uh this evening for sure i love i love it when the the chat room interacts with us, and, and I, I don't miss it. I wish I could watch where the chat room is. I, I, I could look at them, too, but I'm afraid I'll, I'll mess up this connection here. I don't want to do that. I know. That's how my internet is. Like, I have to choose what I'm doing because otherwise it'll mess things up. But for people that are listening that don't know where the chat room is, or you can even do it on your cell phone, go to Spreaker.com and look for We Are Paradox Media. And um, once you get there, you'll be able to... Um, Hopefully like the show and then go to the little chat bubble, which will take you to the convo there. Um, yeah, we generally have a really good time in there. Let me go in and see, make sure my sound's down. Uh, how exactly to do that? Yeah, so once you open up the show, it will show a, a little word bubble, a heart, and different things that you can do. You can download the show, everything. But the little word bubble there is uh, right in the middle. Well, I, I, I'm afraid I go there and it'll start playing and then we'll get the echo thing going. <laughs> I know, that's why <laughs> that's I'm like, why let I me make sure it. I turn this down because generally when I click yeah. on it, it'll just boot up. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. I love having a conversation with people's and, and I don't mind if people go in there and they have different conversations. It's all good with me. But yeah, we've had a lot of good questions from not only her, but Skywatcher tonight. Um, have we talked about the... I, okay. Uh, Slipwave Spatial Bias Drive? What is that? Yeah, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, the slip wave, there's a story to that as well. And I'll, I'll, I'll introduce it by saying that I came upon the idea of the slip wave because I came to the same conclusion that Einstein came to. and But it took me years to find that he was actually thinking the same thing. I did it on my own by saying, you want to know about the theory of everything there's one thing you got to know you have to work out how particles move the slip wave is my model that explains how particles move on, on their own you know it comes from an internal um, pressure wave and, and how that's formed so for years i looked for anything about Einstein that would talk about this because I can't find any scientists who talk about how particles move. They, you know, all of physics goes on something called, um, what's the word they use? Even Einstein used it. It's, um, it's a definition. 
And that definition is kinematics, which I call the greatest flaw in physics. Kinematics is the branch of mechanics concerned with the motion of objects without reference to the forces which cause the motion. <laughs> the, the whole theory of physics, they don't know why particles move. If you ask them, they'll give you a hard time about it, especially if you press, because they will say, well, well how does a photon move? And they'll say, it has momentum. Okay, uh, yeah, where does it get the momentum? It has it. It just has it. <laughs> so, you know, don't and stop asking that question. And, and, and that's incomplete. And um, special relativity was incomplete because it used kinematics. It didn't discuss the motion of particles, where they came from, because nobody knew. And so the slip wave deals with that. And I finally got evidence that Einstein thought the same thing. By Just a few weeks ago, I'm reading his Unified Field Theory of Gravity and Electricity paper that came out July 25, 1925. <laughs> and the very last sentence, he says this. After all these equations and all these explanations, most of which was, you know, I, I couldn't really grasp what he was. I had a kind of feeling of where he was going, but, you know, I read through it once, and I, I was going to need to read it many more times. But the last sentence just stunned me. He says, nevertheless, I'm still far away from claiming the physical validity of the equations I derived in this whole paper. The reason for that is that I did not succeed in deriving equations of motion for particles yet. So he did know. That's the key. That unlocks everything. You have to know how particles move. The slip wave is the description that I use in my book to describe exactly what causes particles to move. And, you know, I have a picture of it, and, you know, they're... They're only getting audio, so they're not going to get that picture. But basically, you have to know a little bit about or understand torsional fields. What are torsional fields? Twists of space, convolutions. Einstein was constantly using uh, this idea. He, he just didn't know about the quarks and the that they were twists of space. All particles are twists, vortexes in the ether medium and they're persistent they don't unravel so how could that even be possible let's deal with that simply and mechanically you have to realize that space is a finite but unbounded object what does that mean that means that imagine a rubber band that's got four sides to it if you twist it the twist and you let go it snaps back, and you, you don't have the twist. But if you could pull the, cut it, twist it, and then glue it back together, the twist will remain in there forever. It will not unravel. And so that's what's happening in space. There's no edge for the twists to come out. So they remain there permanently within the solid. And if you want to know where they come from, then you better start talking to God because it gets to the very foundation of the beginning of everything, when the first time the universe was created, God had control of that situation and created all the mass and energy through the power of intention. But that's beyond the scope of what we're talking about right now, which is basically what is the slipway. It's a 
torsion field. So the, the particles are twists of space, and when you twist space, you stretch it. The more you twist it, the more it stretches. The more it stretches, the thinner it becomes. So now if you start here and we look at this, I'm going to show you this. They can't see it. And the more but, you twist you know, it, doesn't it put more energy into it too? Like the more you twist yes, it, the faster yes, it's going twist, to travel? A twist, the frequency is a form of energy. Really. So it's that shape that I'm showing you, like this seashell here. Mm -hmm. So pointy and it, it expands outward. On the, the, the part that expands outward is the, is the least dense area of the particle. So like a bubble in water. It's, it moves because of a pressure gradient. It moves up because you have in the medium of the water, you have very high pressure at the bottom and then less at the top. The bubble is a very low pressure thing. So it gets pushed from the bottom up and rises always. So I decided that the particles, in order to move, there's going to have to be a pressure gradient and it's not going to be in the space it has to be in the particle uh, because particles move in all different directions, you know, in any direction. So it can't be space where the, the media, this particle, this uh, pressure wave field is. It's got to be internal to the particle. So you get it by the windings. The more it winds, the less pressure is in the back part of the particle. It bulges. It expands space because of that rotation. And so you got a bubble-like thing at the back end of the particle, and space is pushing all around that in a particular direction. So it moves like that because of pressure being placed upon uh, the higher pressure of the space around the particle that's not being twisted. And as it moves, since it's a twist, it rotates. And when it rotates as the particle is moving... Space is rotating in reaction to that, so then the magnetic field emerges. So the whole process, what breathes life into this universe is the motion of particles, and they're autonomous. They have to be this way. The universe dies if particles were not moving. There wouldn't be light. There wouldn't be electrons moving. The quarks would be stationary. That means there would be no magnetic field then, uh, and then there would be no gravitational field. They would dissipate. Particles have to move, and the way they move causes space to bend. So the, the slip wave, it basically is nothing but a pressure wave that's created by the torsional field. And it's a beautiful design. Obviously, the Heavenly Father came up with this eons ago, and it makes everything, it breathes life into this universe. Like Einstein said, nothing happens unless something moves. Yeah, it can't it's be really stagnant. Deep, it's really a deep statement that nobody, I don't think, very few people ever really got. I mean, he was he was really into it. He realized that everything that we see, magnetic fields, gravitational fields, all happen because there's motion of particles. He just couldn't quite prove it in his lifetime, but... He was on the right course, obviously. 
Definitely. And um, I just want to take a moment to apologize. Mr. Einstein, I'm sorry that I said that you uh, peed your pants because you got too into things. But um, I read here, and this was a 2012 thing. That's when I read it. But it said, Albert Einstein tried to do an experiment referring to his bladder. He didn't urinate for a week and just drank. And he later peed himself in front of his only date, thus rendering him forever alone, which he wasn't. We know that. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. So it wasn't a regular thing. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like it, when I read that a long time ago, it reminded me of a kid that gets so into a game or doesn't want to quit having an activity. So they he went a whole week without being able to pee. On. That's I what think it that says. I yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to question that one because me too. that sounds. I I couldn't even go a few hours with that. Me neither. Not even a whole freaking day. How could you do that? You're not gonna feel good in a week. I can guarantee <laughs> yeah. you. There'd be something wrong with your kidney, <laughs> for sure. Um, in the chat room, Rosie came back again, uh, Mark, and she's saying, you said that we had to practice before we came here or were born. I thought it was an agreement to come and live this life. We knew who our parents were going to be in situations, knowing it might be pretty drastic, but agree upon to allow us a higher evolution of our spirit. I thought that we also had the right to change our minds at the last minute. If we wished, I thought this might have been an issue of many stillbirths, miscarriages, um, and, or a loss of a child before birth, unless the practice you speak of is from the past, but there is free will at every point in our, our being. Yeah. That was a gift. Free will. Uh, you don't come down here unless you agree to, uh, uh, I, I'm I'm not privy to any story that, that I've heard where somebody at the last minute backed out, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It's just something that I'm not aware of. I haven't read. I mean, how would you know about it? Because if some they would never be born, they never tell a story. So we would have to rely upon somebody else's NDE that just happens to discuss that particular point, which I haven't seen yet. But that doesn't mean. It doesn't happen. I think for the most part, people come down here because as what I've heard is it gets boring on the other side after a while. Everything's always perfect. Everything's always wonderful. Mm -hmm. There's no there's really no challenge here. Suffer. You can experience challenge and difficulty. And that is a way to definitely, you know, spiritually grow, I think. That's a big part of the equation, you know. You you, you get you growth from experience, and there's certain experiences, uh, ones that deal with difficulty and such that can you know really can only have it in this kind of a configuration, the material world. So, I guess I pretty much agree with pretty much everything she says, but maybe the the first part. Well, I did uh, uh, recently, I don't know if you know who Kim Russo is, but she's a very, very um, talented psychic medium. And um, she did a show with a fellow that I watched recently because I have, I call it paranormal PTSD. So I don't sleep at a normal schedule and I stay up pretty late and I'll, I'll listen to or watch, you know, horror flicks or paranormal things to get to sleep. And uh, this person, his mother had a miscarriage of twins actually two spirits previously before she had him had she had the twins she wouldn't have had him and um he's a really big spokesperson for autism uh and uh oh my goodness i'm trying to think of what it is uh where you have seizures uh 
man. Anyways, he's a big spokesperson for that. So these spirits kind of bowed out to make way for him because had she had these two, she wouldn't have had him. And he's, he's done a lot of good things for a lot of people. So they kind of use their free will or their free agency to bow out and allow him to be born. So I, that is one thing that's relative to what, what she was asking, um, about, you know, a person having free will and deciding at the last moment to, to bow out for whatever reason it might be. Yeah. So she's thinking maybe the, those are a case. Okay. I can tell you one story I do know for sure. And that it relates to what we're talking about right here. My sister-in-law, who's now deceased, passed away, um, had an abortion. So according to your, your friend's theory, the abortion happened because the person on the other side bowed out. Now, this, my brother's wife, and, and he went to a very famous psychic, George Anderson. You ever hear of him? Mm-mm probably one of the best that have ever lived. Uh, you should look him up. I mean, the guy is remarkable. I've talked to him on several occasions myself. One of the best there is. And uh, they went together and they had a, a reading with him. And it turns out, you know, she, she had this abortion and the daughter, it would have been a girl, came through and said, well, I understand you made this choice. It didn't work out best for me, but I understand you and I forgive you. And so the daughter didn't make the decision to have, the, it didn't bow out. She was intending to come in. It was just something on this side. So in that particular case, it doesn't support that theory. Not saying no. it doesn't happen. No, that but, was her decision to do that, not the baby, you not know, the not baby. the spirit. Not yeah. Right, right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that's the only instance I can think of that I know of where something like that happened and why it happened. It's sad either way, but, you know, like we talked about earlier, everything does happen for a reason, no matter how bad or sad or good yeah. it may be. Um, and like you were talking about in heaven, you know, everything's There's... perfect. Like, and I've told this to my kids before, like if everything was perfect and, uh, you know, shit smelled like roses, like you would not know what happiness was because everything would be perfect. If you didn't have the bad times, you would not know what good was. So I don't know. I'm just so grateful to be here. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good thing. You, you need to have that gratitude. 
uh, people who have gratitude are going to be much happier uh, about things in life because you have that gratitude. That's a very important factor for for your own happiness. You know, your acceptance. Be grateful for the stuff you do have. Instead of looking, you know, one of my big problems earlier in life was I was always looking at what I didn't have, mm-hmm. what went wrong, the half-empty cup thing. And when you stop that, you know, and reverse it and look at the half full cup and what you do have, it's always a much better uh, frame of mind and attitude to help you get through life and and get through the hard times, you know, because there's always good things you can look at that are, you know, have happened. Your life itself is a miracle. Everything is a miracle. Be grateful for this whole experience, everything. You know, I look at simple things. I look at the blue sky and the pretty clouds, and I think, what a miraculous thing. And I, I look at, think about vision and how that works, and I say, well, that's a miracle. How, you you know, your eyes catch the light, goes on the retina, energizes those cells. They send the little uh, electrons back into your brain. Your brain builds a picture in your mind and then you see it. It just boggles my imagination how that whole, the brain itself is a miraculous thing. It's an interface between your consciousness and the physical reality. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. And, I, and that yeah, whole thing is, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, there is points in, in my life where, you know, I, I try to commit suicide several times. And then after the third time, I'm like, Basically, I'm supposed to be here for a reason. And then NDEs, like, okay, so the accident I was telling you about earlier, and and you're talking about how you see things a certain way. I was at a point in my life where everything was stagnant, and I didn't really care what happened. I was pretty reckless. And after I had this accident, it was amazing the things that I noticed after that that I was grateful for. The sky was beautiful. The stars, like, amazing. Like, all these things that I had taken for granted... I lived through this accident and everything just appeared to me differently, more vibrant, more beautiful. And and it was just like a a breath of fresh air. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. You know, we've got to spend less time on our cell phones and in front of the TV and more time experiencing life and doing things. It'll be you'll find that you'll be much happier if you can get away from that stuff, you know, get, you know, Get your focus toward uh, the more spiritual things and, and having gratitude and being grateful. And it'll help you in so many ways. You'll get knowledge and wisdom from doing this. You'll get peace, contentment, all good stuff. Good stuff. On that note, we do have to go to our second musical break. On this break, we got Griff with Let Freedom Ring. I really love this song. Uh, Tamara Bubble again with uh, I'm It, Natural Born Winner. Um, We have Prime Example, who um, Roy Washington, the member of this band, is our musical host. He donates all of this music to us so we can listen to music instead of commercials on our breaks. And it's Dancing Machine. If you don't boogie to this, there's something wrong with you. And then we got Tamara Bubble again with Pringles. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this musical break.
okay, okay, yo, here's a scoop. You can still be a slave, you're a whip and loop. Eh. That's the truth. Got big houses, nice cars. That's real cute, but that doesn't mean nothing. You ain't free to choose. When I say free to choose, no alarm clock. Don't gotta hit the snooze. The world is backwards. I'm so confused. They say freedom of speech, but when you speak your mind, they blow a fuse. Just being honest, common sense and common. It's kind of ironic. My freedom, I recently bought it. Now I'm a target. If I do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, come on, man. Let freedom ring. is love it should be shown can't grow unless you leave your comfort zone this i know i learned all this from the mentorship kids don't know what independent is take advantage what your parents did go against the grid you have to like going to the bathroom learn the right songs because of matthew liberty like statue they call now the present because it's a gift it should be cherished last name fearless not harris all thanks to my parents parents now love the last name every time that I hear it cause I know what it represents climb the fence so now I got freedom such a beautiful thing freedom such a wonderful thing 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 freedom such a beautiful thing Thank you. 
Cause you invite to be your parents for dinner Cause I can take a couple L's and I'ma bounce right back Just so you and all your friends can hit the bounce like that Cause I'm When I ain't in the booth, yeah, I'm still gon' snap it, homie. You ain't gotta lie, cause it's the truth we after. And I'm in. Without the beat for the clout, I'm the one you shouldn't believe the rumors about. Spitting and giving you brain tumors and zoomer lessons. Move and a shaker with the flow. Soon as I pop, you close. If you had any ego or ego, let go. If you had any doubt about me, just know. I'm pleasing to the ears and the eyes and the throat. And I ain't giving you no more detail to weep or pillow. I ain't nowhere close to my greatness. I don't do all that boasting, just make hits. You won't do all that posting, make it bliss. For life, and I ain't make this up, I can't fake this.
your pants off. I really love it how your body's so soft. Dance all night, little lady, it's your call. Step, 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 baby, follow my lead. You and me showing off for the club to see. No time to get rest, we doing our thing. Cha, cha, then we dip, top it off with a spin. Glide across the floor, let's do it again. By the way, little mama, can we be friends? I can't let this night just in. I really want to know if I can see you again. Give me your number, we'll get back on the scene. We can hit another club if that's your thing. We'll be partners in crime, you and me, as we ripping up floors like two dancing machines. Pringles in the can, all the money really got me dancing. Pringles in the web, I be taking, be taking them chips like. 
Pringles in the can. How the money really got me down. Uh, big, big, baby, money grab. I've been tagging, been tagging up. I ain't never been afraid of investing. I'm talking more than dice games and I'm scratch offs. Lottery jackpots and a hunch of me. So who you think they making money on the back of? Ain't no gambling today. Ain't no gambling where my money Said I built dug, got my money strong, get my money long, get my money long. Now one business, but no business. Natural growth, I mean no business. New growth like my natural hair. Yeah, I'm ten toes down in the show business. Like back up, back up, back up, man. Ain't no move around, go business. Bring the track up with the track out in the booth, way steady running your mind, talking this and that. What is that? Move up past the hood, money. Welcome back, and thanks so much for joining us tonight on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night Rockies. Tonight we have Mr. Mark Fiorentino. Welcome back, and thanks so much for hanging out with us and educating us. No problem. We're having a lot of fun. We're talking about a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of foundational philosophical issues, stuff that people want to know about. So that's good. So we were thinking about talking about the cosmology aspects of the theory of super relativity, which is basically my extension or completion of Einstein's unified field theory. So if you want, we'll get into how stars form. Are you curious about that one? Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Well, the old idea, the one that's been bouncing around for years, it's a little vague. It's a little... People are not comfortable with it, but they, they go with it. They, they say, well, stars form, there's this big cloud of gas. And somehow, the gas just falls together, and a star is formed. And I was never very comfortable with that explanation, because every time they say it, they get a little shaky, because <laughs> they know there's something there that doesn't make sense. Right. And basically... Hydrogen gas is a proton and an electron, and it's electromagnetic fields, which have a very high repulsive force. Hydrogen atoms are, you know, they're not going to come together uh, because their electromagnetic repulsive force is orders of magnitude greater than the, the gravity they generate. So they're not going to fall together and get compressed. And they know that. But yet, they never really had a good idea of how that happens. You know, just so suddenly you're looking out into deep space with your telescope and you see a brand new star and there's, you know, still a lot of the hydrogen gas around it. It's swirling, coming together. 
And it really doesn't make sense using the physics we have, but that's the best explanation they had. So I, you know, I got clued into this idea really coming from the idea of the neutron. And the neutron, just a little small particle, does something very different than the proton, the other particle. Proton is incredibly stable, but the neutron, if you isolate it, Within 15 minutes, it turns into a proton and an electron, which is wow. hydrogen. So it's perfect. So I suspected something is going on with the neutron. And what I, I came to, to the conclusion was, after reading many uh, accounts and many documents about star formation and star death mainly, and that every time a star blows up, uh, has a supernova, what's left is either one of two things. Gases. A neutron yeah. star and or a black hole. And so the, the, the physicists or astrophysicists, once again, I think made a bad assumption. And they said the explosion caused the neutron uh, star or the, the, um, the black hole. And I'm saying, no, I don't think that happened at all. I think what happened is when the universe was born, uh, the, the cosmic egg, the giant black hole that was there, was made of solid neutronium, which is basically a material that's made of nothing but neutrons. And you can compress neutrons because they have a neutral charge. They don't push away from each other and they don't attract each other. So you can really pack them together tight. And uh, so that, realizing that and saying, well, what if the cosmic egg was a gigantic neutron star that we, you know, it's so big and so dense that it becomes a black hole. So black holes are, new, are neutroniums. Uh, they're new, neutron stars as well. So... Then I, I realized that now I have a gravitational force or a source that can overcome the repulsive uh, uh, hydrogen repulsive uh, fields that they have uh, in, in the gas clouds. You know, without some sort of gravitational source, those glass, those gas cl clouds will never come together. So. What if the Big Bang was nothing but a, a huge amount of neutronium gas, which in 15 minutes conveniently turns into hydrogen, the exact thing we need to build a universe? You need a lot of hydrogen to make stars. So all of a sudden, I got a solution that says, hey, I can deliver the hydrogen right on schedule, and if I also maintain neutronium spheres so this this explosion isn't purely going from a solid to a gas but a, a lot of neutronium plasma which turns into hydrogen perfect and different size neutronium spheres which are very dense very strong powerful gravitational fields they become the seeds that spread out all over the universe they're all spinning which is perfect because it spins the space around that when it happens. And as the hydrogen is attracted, so they're pulling, whoops, they're pulling the hydrogen clouds along with them. 
and the clouds condense and form a star so that the the core of stars all of them are made of neutronium and this makes sense because now we have a gravitational uh, source that draws the hydrogen in, and it's got it spinning and you see every star every star is spinning where did it get that spin from the thing that drew it in that's spinning it you know it's frame dragging the space and so you got this twirl this twist of gravity that you know is pulling in and causes the um, gases to start to rotate around the neutronium solid core that's in the sun and stars. So uh, I'm contending now and announcing on, on these shows that the star, our sun, has a solid neutronium core. And in my book, I make a point in NASA has made this measurement that's called the Tacheline measurement. And in it, they're saying, hey, let's study the move, motion of the gases and uh, around the sun. And uh, as they studied it, they saw that the motion became more and more uniform as if it were a solid the, the further deeper into the star that they got. So at first, it's being dragged on the outside of the star, the outer atmosphere. But as you got in closer, this it's speeding up. And now it's acting like there's a solid there. And the chart clearly shows that. All you have to do is interpret it properly. So at the 50% chart uh, spot, you got all these measurements where there's these lines, and then they all collapse in to almost a single line, which clearly indicates there's something rock solid inside the sun. Let's get on board with that. Do more experiments, because I'm telling you, What's in stars is a neutronium sphere. Very massive, very heavy, very powerful gravitational field. Just what you need to build a star. All you need is the hydrogen to spin around it. And when it does that, it compresses that high because the, it's so powerful, the gravitational field of a, a neutron star, that it causes a great compression, which is also necessary to create the fusion process. It just ignites when it hits a certain level and you get enough gas. All of a sudden, the hydrogen starts to fuse into helium and a star is born. So the, the super relativity theory clearly sensibly states that all stars are created from neutronium spheres. Neutronium spheres came from the Big Bang. They were the seeds of life for this universe. Even at the center of our galaxy, which has this which we're finding now that virtually every galaxy has a center with, you know, having many uh, oh, hundreds uh, or thousands of stars of mass inside of them already. So when the Big Bang happened, there was these huge ones, these huge black holes, and they were the gathered all the smaller um, neutronium spheres and such that caused that galaxy. And that's why you see so many of the galaxies are spinning galaxies because that center is spinning and they're all following along with the, the warped space and the gravitational field. So it explains the galaxies and, and uh, how the stars are formed. This is a very sensible, logical theory. 
And the evidence is out there. Every time we see a, a black uh, star explode, there's a, a pulsar, you know, a, a neutron star that's spinning rapidly and pulsing out electromagnetic pulses in many cases. And all I'm saying is, no, you know, explosions don't generally cause big rocks to form in the middle of the explosion. Right. <laughs> that thing was already there. And what happened was you get a state where you get the fusion, you know, you get hydrogen, then helium, then carbon, then oxygen. You know, you get each time you fuse to the next element, the process becomes hotter and more explosive. And at some point, the pressure builds the outward pressure from all the explosions of the fusion, create enough outward pressure to blow off the atmosphere and then reveal the neutron core. And, and that's what I, I believe is really happening. So what I'm telling you guys now is basically what we have here in the universe, all stars are formed from neutronium cores. Now then that means, well, where did the planets come from? Now I'm getting on a little bit more shakier, exciting ground. Because I'm thinking it's possible that even the planets have smaller size, maybe the size of a basketball uh, because there's, I can't find a limit to the size of a neutronium sphere from a, the Big Bang. It could be very small because once you them together, there's nothing to push them apart. So they could come in various sizes. Size is good enough to form planets. So that why I think that is true for planets too, because on our planet. We have every element available. Where did they all come from? They just fall from the sky in meteors? Nine times out of ten, we get a meteor. It's core. And, and that's awfully coincidental. And you can't get everything. Where did all the water come from? It was manufactured here in the fusion process when this planet was formed. And it takes, again, a strong gravitational field to do that. So, obviously, what has to be happening here, since we have all the elements, all of them, we made them right here. So, what I'm saying planets are are, are, are things that are called um, uh, brown stars. They're very small. You can't really see them from a great distance, even 10 or 11 light years. We're not going to be able to resolve them unless they're... 10 times the size of Jupiter. You'll see those planets. They'll look like stars, but they're burning a lot cooler. And uh, there's a fusion process going on there. Eventually that cools. Crust forms. You have uh, the mantle eventually. And then if the the uh, core is stable enough, you know, the planet will form and you'll be good. Uh, but there are some planets where that might not evolve that way. Then what happens? Well, it could blow up the planet. If the core is too large for the core to crust ratio isn't right, if it's too large for the crust, the crust will crack. And because um, you'll be floating on this huge pressure dome of lava and molten material and so forth. And uh, because the fusion process is going on in our planet. And, and sure enough, the way to prove that was what I did is I went out and said, look, uh, 
If there's fusion going on in the center of the planet, there'll be neutrino, neutrinos zooming out from the center of the Earth. And sure enough, I found the scientists in Japan who turned their microwave, or not their microwave, but their neutrino detectors inward, and there's neutrinos coming out of the center of the Earth. There's only uh, one of two ways that can happen, fission or fusion. Odds are it's going to be fusion. And the only way that could happen is if there was enormous pressure at the core of the Earth. And, you know, let's face it, it's been four and a half billion years and the Earth hasn't cooled off yet. How do we explain that? What? How can it still be hot after all these billions of years? There's got to be a fission or a fusion process going on. It's the only thing that makes sense. Although I'm sure no scientists will want to, you know, admit to something as radical as what I just told you. But if we keep doing the science, that would be and so I get unscientific. The, if somebody did that. We keep doing the science. <laughs> I'm hoping. Hey, maybe there is a fusion process. Maybe there's a way, another way to detect it, and we could look for that. Uh, so I'm a little concerned because if you go to the National Geographic Survey Center and you look at the tectonic plates and you look at all the cracks, the earth is cracked from top to bottom multiple times. Uh, I'm thinking maybe our core is a little bit unstable and maybe that's why we have so many volcanoes. Mars doesn't have so many volcanoes like this. Uh, we get all kinds of earthquakes and, you know, every day there's hundreds of earthquakes happening. And so I have a, a bit of a concern there about that, but it's part of my planet uh, theory, the formation theory, which I, I think is going to turn out to be right as well eventually. So that's some more exciting news. So stars are formed by neutronian spheres gathering hydrogen gas and planets are formed the same way. And you, you need a few to make for um, to elements, and the Earth has loads of elements, all of them, and a ton of water, which I believe was manufactured here as well with hydrogen and oxygen mixing in the atmosphere. The Earth is making it; it's rising up. Then there's storms and and, and volcanoes that are igniting, because if you put hydrogen and oxygen and any kind of heat source, it turns into water. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You get all the water you need. Into a solid liquid. So that that's my theory on the um, the uh, the cosmos and uh, star formation and planet formation. I expect that will be confirmed someday, hopefully in my lifetime. But we'll just have to wait and see. But right now, my duty, my obligation is to get that message out there and get people thinking about it, and you know, considering it. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and we were talking earlier about um, black holes and how uh, they now have pictures of the exact structure, basically, of a black hole due to infrared or whatever sort of uh, photography they're using. And then there's people saying you can go through a black hole and come out on the other side as you were on the other side. But we know that's not true. Like, this is a grinder. This is something physical, massive, like tear you to pieces and really not put you back together it really doesn't care what are your thoughts on 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 the black holes that we have yeah. and we even have one near us don't we oh i'm trying to think of the nearest well there's the one at the center of the galaxy there may be one somewhere else 
in the galaxy. They're, they're all over the galaxies. There's just in our galaxy and other galaxies. They're all over the place. Uh, all it takes is a, a sun and solar mass is larger, and then odds are the core of that is going to be a black hole. So it's hard for them to imagine that there's light coming from a black hole, but if the the black hole is spinning and it's spinning fast enough, the gases don't actually fall into it. They orbit it very closely, and then they ga it gathers the gases and condenses. Then all of a sudden, you have this massive uh, atmosphere surrounding a black hole, and the black hole is basically saying, crushing all the the gases in, at the internal in, around the inner core. And the fusion process starts, and it starts glowing as a star. And we don't see that underneath it is a small black hole. And and, and these larger stars, I'm pretty sure that's how they work. And the picture that you're uh, talking about, I've seen it as well. And what's happening, what you're seeing, the light, the red light, it's gases that are, are um, being compressed, and they're emitting photons. So that's like the beginning process. If there was enough hydrogen gas in that area, it would eventually cover it, and the whole thing would be glowing, and you wouldn't see the black hole anymore because it would be underneath the glowing atmosphere. And so my idea is the black hole is nothing but a very, very large, dense neutron star. And when you get to a certain density, the gravitational field is so strong that light really can't come out of it anymore. And it doesn't emit light because a neutron star, I think, is a deadly cold object, except for maybe the very, very inner core. Uh, but um, is it a massive like black energy or? There, it's not a black energy. It's it's just the neutrons. The neutrons are spinning in the toroid shape that I showed you here, and that is generating the gravity. And they're packed so close together, gravity, you know, it's added, additive force. It, it uh, the, the, the more you pack it together, the denser it gets, the stronger the gravitational field. And, and that's, it's a rock solid thing. So a black hole, if you were to go into it, you know, we have all these romantic ideas to a wormhole and you're going to magically come out the other side somewhere else. They like to throw that one out there a lot. And I know a lot of physicists don't like that one. Like me, I don't like that idea either because it's highly speculative. And there's really no logical, mechanical basis for this to be like that. Because what's going to happen to you, the tidal forces of the gravitational field are going to cause you to stretch. Like if you're going in feet first, your toes would be pulled apart atom by atom and stretch, your, your whole body would be elongated and stretched as you go into this thing at, at you know near light speed, you're not going to survive that. And your atoms and particles are going to just wind up on the surface of that thing uh, if it falls below the event horizon. Or it's going to be stretched and ripped apart and all your atoms will be orbiting very close to the event horizon. And that's going to be it for you. There's not going to be, oh, ooh, here we're coming out on the other side. Not unless. Yeah. And the only way to survive it, I have a solution. 
you can enter into the event horizon of a black hole, but you have to use an anti-gravity device. You have to cancel that gravity so it doesn't rip you to shreds and crush you into the star. And if you use the slip wave, you're using an anti-gravity machine. And if that field is strong enough, it may be possible for us to send a probe that goes, not only can get to that star, that black hole to, to experience it and measure it, but can actually go below the event horizon. What are you going to see? Probably not a whole lot. It's going to be pitch black. And <laughs> the depth of that event horizon to the surface is something I'm not sure how deep that area is. There may not be much room there. And if you touch a black hole with a slipway spatial bias drive, that field, that magnetic field, it's going to be highly explosive. It's going to be like a hot knife cutting through butter. Friction and like heat. The neutrons, are, without the gravity there to hold them together, are going to come rocketing away from that thing at enormous mm -hmm. Oh no, we might have lost Mark. Mark, where are you? Holy cannoli, I think I just lost you. What? The crack just happened. The. Okay, there you are. Holy shnikes. We just had a, a <laughs> paratechnical issue. Yeah, we had a glitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I lost you for at least a minute. That was weird. Yeah. You were just so, like, the stellar black hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff. I'm sure they're cutting us off here now. Right? So the stellar I converter thinking... I invented this. Okay, you say yours yeah, first ahead. and then I'll tell you mine. No, you go first because mine's going to be quite a lengthy thing. <laughs> okay, Stretch Armstrong. How about we make right. some sort of probe that's made out of Stretch Armstrong stuff, but it has that probe inside of it? That way it could, it could go through the black hole. But it's strange to me because they've been talking about black holes and how it's a grinder and it, it just destroys everything. It'll suck you and destroy you. And then recently they're saying, oh, you can go in one and come out on the other side. A complete, you know, same person you were before. We already talked about that on break. That's not, not possible. Did you see that uh, video where there was actually something that came out of a black hole? There are, a, they're called... Um... What's the word? Uh, quasars. Quasars are really gigantic galaxy-sized black holes. And as they gather um, material that's spinning around, the theory is the material spinning around that black, that gigantic black hole is uh, massive. It gets energized from all this rapid motion, rotating charged particles and stuff that it makes, get this, a tremendously powerful magnetic field. And so what's supposedly happening in a quasar, which is a giant, giant black hole, is that the poles, the magnetic field coming out, it's touching the poles, and then it's causing an ejection of particles at or beyond the speed of light. They're a little shaky on that. And, oh, there's the magnetic field again. So, hey, they're kind of confirming what I said. The only thing that's going to make something come out of a black hole 
is an incredibly intense magnetic field. And when that magnetic field takes, yeah, basically it releases the gravitational force that's holding that material together and it rockets out of there, just like I said, at an enormous speed. And these beams of particles, we can see, uh, you know, they're like 12, 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 billion light years away. They're really bright. I mean, they are like galactic amounts of energy coming out super bright. Uh, so that's a way. Let, I'm saying maybe, maybe an advanced civilization is trying to get more material to build stars again. And the way to do it is to slowly bleed off black holes. And uh, so I, I, I oh, that's uh, interesting because I was thinking of it as like a portal, like a shortcut to our universe from another universe. Yeah, and you're thinking maybe people, they're trying to collect matter. Yeah, a lot of physicists trying to make that claim, but it, it's a stretch that's not been supported by any evidence. Uh, there's, uh, they're saying if that were happened, there would be what they'd call white holes. Mm-hmm. And so black hole, you know, comes in and then somewhere else in some other universe or in our universe at some other location, there would be a white hole. But you know what? I've never seen a white hole. Ever. It's like the <laughs> white rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> That's highly speculative theory that I don't really take seriously. It's intriguing, and there's so many questions, even with the spiritual realm, with the universe. Like, there's so many questions that we still have. Um, You were saying earlier, we know about the Earth. There's still things on the Earth that we still have not even figured out. But, I mean, man, so many questions, so many theories, so many things that it could be. Will we ever Mm -hmm. know? Um, It's just really exciting to me. Um, yeah. see this all going on. Science is very interesting. It's a, uh, philosophy. I love the philosophy of science. I love metaphysics. Basically, that's what I am, is a metaphysician. I study the nature of things, and so that's what the book is all about, basically studying how what is real, what is true, you know, an objective reality. It's what it's all about. And Before I'm definitely... We, uh, you're definitely what? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's definitely what my theory is all about, defining what's real and uh, explaining it. Well, um, I was going to say, before we get to the book, uh, Rosie had another question. She said, I think about the new bugs and creatures that have been turning up. I believe uh, they're from particles from outer space and particles from, from meter particles. Does that make sense or not? Is that really possible? Or... Are they critters that are coming out of black holes? I don't know. I think it's just like you adapt and overcome uh, evolution, whatever you want to call it. You know, and there's so many different species that have been asleep forever that can come out. You know, they haven't been around for they're in a hyperstasis Uh, of hibernation or what? The only way something like that could really be possible is from a portal opening up. Uh, you know, some people think that maybe Bigfoot comes from another dimension, enters a portal, uh, comes here, visits, and leaves the portal. And maybe that's why they're so hard to catch. <laughs> you see one every great once in a while, but nobody ever finds the bones of one. Nobody ever finds a little 
encampment where they live. They just sort of appear and disappear. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe this life form is uh, lives on a planet that's got some sort of magnetic resonant field that opens up a portal they're walking in and out. Or maybe that's their technology and they're just visiting Earth for for fun. But that's the only way I could think that, you know, any other kind of creatures would come here from somewhere else. Um, that's really highly speculative and I, I can't say anything much more than that. I think mainly everything that's here uh, evolved here and, you know, comes from here. I don't think there's anything like the Andromeda strain that's falling from the upper atmosphere that's, you know, from some other planet or something. Bruh, bugs from space. Um, I know uh, this year there's actually um, a species of cicadas that are coming out that have uh, been dormant for quite a while, and those are coming out. So that could yeah. be what she's talking about. What you're talking about with Bigfoot, I've heard certain people... Um, that have told me they think that aliens and, uh, Bigfoot are in league. And then there's the whole portals thing. I think, you know, they've just been here for a long time and they know what the fuck they're doing. You know, they have, I think, I don't know. They have their specialties. They've been doing this for so long. They're professionals. Um, <sighs> and there's never Dang been any it. bodies found. But when there were fires in uh, Washington and Oregon and such, uh, there were helicopters that were seen with nets taking Bigfoot bodies out from where the fires were. So perhaps that's well, why I, we're not finding them. I, I would say this. If they did exist, odds are they're some alien species. There's no way the U.S. government is going to let that be known. Just like the... Uh, the crashes of UFOs, they go out there, they surround the area, they clean up every last bit and speck and take it away, and we never see anything. So I'm pretty sure if, uh, if Bigfoot does exist, uh, it's probably some alien species that's gotten here, who knows how. And if somebody ever did come forward with one, they'd say, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll take it and we'll, we'll get back to you. You'll never hear anything else. Oh, we don't have any. We 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 never really had. It. Are you sure you gave us that? <laughs> mm. Yeah, you're never. We're never going to hear about it until they have full disclosure someday and start admitting the U.S. government that is starts admitting that uh, there's aliens, there's extraterrestrials, there's UFOs. You know, someday hopefully they'll come around and uh, and do that. It's interesting. And uh, generally when there's pictures and stuff, it's blurry. And I was like, you know, uh, when you take pictures of ghosts or you capture pictures of ghosts, it's generally blurry. Uh, maybe this is a Bigfoot ghost, but we have had sightings in our area. Um, even off the Silverton train, we've seen Bigfoot. I do believe it exists and I do believe it is more humanoid than anything. I don't think it's alien. I think they're probably abducted by aliens just like we are. Um, maybe. I've also uh, heard yeah. of... <laughs> that one, I just, I got my hands in the air. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something going on. There's plenty of eyewitnesses, but nobody ever seems to really get a good picture. Or, you know, can't explain that either. It seems like we ought to be able to go out there with some professional hunters, 
and bag one. But right? that that's never happened either. <laughs> Did you hear they started a hunting season? Where was it? It was like Georgia or Alabama or somewhere. They started a hunting season for Bigfoot. I don't know. Yeah, well, nobody ever gets one. They have the shows. <laughs> they they have sounds coming out of the woods. Somebody throws a rock. You know, <laughs> It's like, oh, come on. Well, we actually had an experience like that um, in Silverton. We have a security firm, and we were doing a security at a mine because they're trying to get all of these toxic chemicals out of the mine and uh, oh. putting them in barrels, and people would go up here to this certain site and do target practice, so on and so forth. So we were doing overnight security, et cetera, up there and doing even, like, you know, directing vehicles and such during the day. But at night, there were large boulders being thrown down. I think this... This Bigfoot was getting upset that we were in its area. We never saw it. Yeah. We heard some weird sounds. We heard boulders being thrown down, and bears don't do that. No. I went up there. Yeah, uh, I've heard about that happening, too. It makes you wonder. There's something yeah, going on. I mean, if you're there and you're experiencing that, unless some guy is in the woods playing a practical joke, that that's something to, you know, to think about. Yeah, who's throwing those big boulders in the middle of the night? Yeah, it's like they're trying to get you out of there, trying to draw you away, but it's pretty interesting. And there was also um, sightings by locals. We went to the Enterprise Bar and Grill um, to do a paranormal investigation, and the next day everybody's like, hey, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to go up here to the site again and see if I can find any um, evidence. And I actually got pictures of Bigfoot tracks. I, oh. I hate that I didn't have any plaster cast or anything, but I put my foot next to it, and and it was in, in gravel, so, you know, it's kind of hard to see, difficult to see, unless you kind of change the, the spectrum of the light on it. But for well, me, it's intriguing, and I do think these things exist. Um, why don't so we many... get, you know, an expert tracker, an Indian tracker or something, go in there and track it. You know, it's, a Bigfoot's going to leave marks mm -hmm. <laughs> wherever it goes. It's going to break twigs and break branches. you Somebody who's a great tracker should be able to continue to track it until you catch up to it. I think they should try that. We have an incoming Lily Boogalicious Luge is in here. Her birthday is coming up on the 24th. She's going to be six, but she said she needs help. The internet is not working. Well, I'm doing my show. We have about less than 10 minutes left. Actually, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. And you've mentioned the book several times. What is the name of your book? Um, and where can people find and purchase it? Yeah, it's called The Master of Reality. I sell it on my website, www.super-relativity.com. And it's on Amazon. And so you can go to the front page of my website and you've got links that either take you to where you can order it from my site but i'm getting more to where you just it's just easier to go to amazon and click and they'll mail it directly to you and um those are the two places you can get it right now that's awesome um have you ever considered doing like kindle um or something like that for your book yeah, yeah, I do have a Kindle version on Amazon. I have the book and the Kindle version. Nice. So I like the Kindle version. I like 
when I do research and studying, because I can, you know, mark passages and, you know, put notes in there and stuff, it's good for researching. Those book, book, uh, electric books are very good that way. So, yeah, I do have the Kindle, and then there's, I, I don't have it on Barnes and Noble yet, but I guess I could do that at some point, look into that. That might help some as well. More places, the better. That's right. I didn't think I'd like the Kindle, and I actually was able to check one out from the library, and that's when I read The Great Gatsby. And it was just awesome because you can uh, brighten it or lower the brightness, and you don't have to worry about saving your page or having a bookmark or whatnot. You can just pick up where you left off, and and it's just really an awesome experience. Technology is cool in certain ways. (laughs) Better Kindle's better. Reading a book is always better than watching TV. I always try to recommend to people, stop watching the TV. <laughs> Start doing something else. Read a book. Go outside. Anything. You know, just, just too much TV. And this TV has really gotten screwed up. So that's what I recommend. Yeah. And the book is always better than the movie. There's no way they could put all that in the movie. That would cost billions of dollars. But, yeah, for me, the book is always better than the movie. There's just no comparison. Well, it's an experience, definitely, because you use your imagination to generate the scenes and so forth. Although there's some movies that are pretty good. A lot of movies I like, like The like the Natural. I like that movie. That, I don't know if the book was as good as the movie, but the movie was damn good. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've seen that one. What What is that? The Natural. Oh, it's a it's a sports movie. Actually, it's about a baseball player that you know. It's got a gift from God, I guess. It's he uh, is a farm boy, and uh, a lightning bolt hits the tree, and, and it splits in half. And his father and him make a bat from that tree, and then he goes off to be a pro. You know, many years later, he takes his bat with him. He has a very misfortunate thing that happens, and his career gets sidetracked. So he spends like 20 years just drifting. And then, like, when he's 35 or something, he decides to give baseball another chance. And uh, he tries out for this team that's struggling, and they uh, bring him up through the leagues because he's, he's hitting, you know, like at 400 and something, and he's really tearing it up in the minor league and he comes up there and he does all these miraculous home runs and it's very inspirational. Robert Redford is the star and uh, it's a good story. It's fun. I've watched it many times. Now that you said that about Robert Redford, was he wearing a red and white uniform? Oh gosh. I don't don't know if it was red and white. I just saw that picture of him in a baseball uniform with a mostly red hat with white and then a red and white, red on the sleeves and white on the uh, torso of the jersey sort of uniform. I think I might have oh. seen that a long time ago. That just yeah, popped up in I my head. Yeah, I guess that's it. It's, uh, he was playing for a team in the movie called the New York Knights. So it might have been red. You know, I never noticed the color in my head. I was always thinking it was some sort of pinstripe. So, I don't know. I'll have to look that up and see. I'm curious now. I'll do that later. (laughs) 
So we are in our last five minutes of the show. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or touch on before um, we end our time together? Oh, let's see. I'll just let people know that I'm working on um, a scientific paper that I'm going to release pretty soon, as soon as I add the, the mathematics explanation and so forth. going to be uploading that to some journals, hopefully as many as I can find. Um, I think we've covered just about everything else um, uh, other than the Stargate. We didn't talk about the Stargate oh, much. Oh, man. I want to pretty talk sure about that, that Yeah, I'm pretty sure the U.S. government, I, I think we only got a minute left, so I'm pretty sure the U.S. government has invented this or has created the Stargates, and it really came from Philadelphia Experiment and the Project Montauk or the Montauk Project. And um, they've refined it and come up with a, a Stargate mechanism that can take them forward and backward in time as well as going to other dimensions and so forth. And there's a lot of stuff out on the Internet about that. But I talk about it in my book and how to actually build one. And uh, I guess that's all we got time for. <laughs> well, we actually have a couple more minutes. And I, I have really, like, even since a kid, enjoyed Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate was one that I, I really got into. Is it anything like that, do you think? Or do you think it's different from that structure? I think it's, yeah, I think it's very, very similar. Because you're going to have to walk through, there's going to be a frame, at least in my design, there's also a frame. And the frame is is constructed using metamaterials. Uh, it's a little hard to get into that now, but folks out there can look up what metamaterials are and fractal lenses. Uh, basically, it's a way to accelerate particles within that material to beyond the speed of light, which is necessary in order to make the space vibrate at high enough frequencies to allow a portal opening uh, along the frame where that is emitted. So the, the particles that are coming out of the frame of the Stargate come out and create an electromagnetic shock wave. And that shockwave opens a portal, a high-frequency oscillation that opens a portal into another dimension or time. And uh, beyond that, I don't know enough about the physics to figure out how that works all exactly. But I do discuss it to the degree that I can based on the metamaterial and its capabilities. So I think probably the government's already all into that and it's probably succeeded in doing that kind of work and I would be fascinated by actually seeing it work and, and seeing somebody step into another realm it is very intriguing and then you know Trump did the whole Space Force thing I don't know if that's a farce but um, it's, for me it was just interesting that that happened I'm not a big fan but um, as far as space travel goes and and I don't know. I've just been into that my my whole life, even as a kid. I love S Star Trek, especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> so, and there's so many theories that are reality. But I want to thank you once again, Mr. Mark Fiorentino, for being here tonight on We Are Paradox Media's Late Night in the Rockies. It really has been a pleasure to talk to you and and really learn from you. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. I enjoyed the conversation. And thank you to all of our friends on We Are Paradox Media's Facebook, Spreaker, Twitter, 
Periscope, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you may be listening beyond the Omniverse tonight. I had a wonderful time, and I can't wait to do it again. Next weekend, we have Micah Dank. We're going to be talking about uh, Behind the Bell and Down into the Rabbit Hole. Then we got Mr. Bill Hauser on Sunday with Ghost Box Live. You guys don't want to miss out, so make sure you tune in. Don't forget, we are all in this together. Together, we can make the world a little better. And together, my friends, we are Paradox Media. Because without you, there is no us. I want to take a moment and remind you guys, on Friday nights, we have Mr. Doc Skinner on 1028 Live. Um, hopefully, Sleepy D is going to come back soon. I really miss his show. And then, of course, you can pick me up on weekends. I want to thank our... Uh, donators and people that help our show go about Mr. Jim Morris, Mr. Kevin McDougal, Mr. Dale Elson, and Miss Mia Savage, as well as our musical host, Mr. Roy Washington of Quest Nation. Um, if you guys want to join the after party, feel free to look me up at tessa.n.thomas30 or give us a jingle jangle at 970-335-9596. That way you can tune in and partake in the sh- the Wapham shenanigans. You guys, until next time, nighty night, love and light. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Don't work too hard this coming week. And take care of my news. I'll see you back here, same time, same place. <laughs>